welcome to this episode of Cold Talk. I'm your host, Cole Martin. So thank you guys for joining me here today. For the latest information on the show, you can follow me on Twitter at Cold Talk. That is at C-O-L-E-D-T-A-L-K. Also, you can like that uh, Facebook page as well, again, at Cold Talk. Either you can message me questions or topics like you hear in the show. You can also tweet with me during the events. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe and or follow button. Take alerts when the newest episodes are released. Spot, the podcast is available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and these are all the major platforms out there. So make sure you hit that subscribe and or follow button. Also, then thank my brother Landon Martins for the amazing artwork on the page and seeing some more of his work. You can visit his Instagram at Mr. Fancy Land. That is at M R F A N C Y L A N. Coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk about what happened this last week in college football and NFL. We'll talk about the results from UFC 281. We'll also take a look at the top games in the NBA and even the college basketball season. Also, we'll take a quick look at what's happening uh, this coming Sunday. The beginning is the World Cup, so we'll go over the top games coming up for the next week in the World Cup. I'll take a new look at the news coming out of MLB, NASCAR, and NHL. But it's been a crazy week here, especially week 10 in the NFL. A lot of great action this week. It was a pleasure to be able to see some great action myself this week as I headed to Chicago to see the Detroit Lions surprisingly beat the Chicago Bears in a very fun game. That one, that game went ended 31 to 30, which is not one of the games we're talking about here. But happy to get to see my Lions win on the road. That was a fun game to watch, great game to watch. Also, seeing Dan Campbell's first road win, I didn't really realize until I was at the game. But uh, I had a fun time over in Chicago, but we had some better games going on this week, especially a couple of great overtime games this week. We'll start off with the first overtime game in the major one of the week, which was the Minnesota Vikings picking up a big and surprising victory, I would say, over the Buffalo Bills, 33-30 to in overtime. So the Minnesota Vikings going to 8-1 in the season. And wide receiver Justin Jefferson having another major game. 10 receptions for 193 yards and a touchdown. Quarterback Kurt Cousins, 357 yards passing, a touchdown. Did throw two picks and was sacked four times in this game. So a struggling game, I would say, for Kurt Cousins at times in this one. Running back Delvin Cook took a carry, load off his team's offense's back with 119 yards rushing and a touchdown. Fullback C.J. Hamlet even with a touchdown in this game. But on the defensive side, Patrick Peterson doing some great things. Two interceptions in the game. Also, linebacker Eric Kendricks with a fumble recovery in the end zone for a touchdown, which is major in this game, which we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, but for the Buffalo Bills in this one, they now dropped to 6-3 on the season. Josh Allen throwing for 330 yards, a touchdown, and also threw two interceptions this game. Also ran for 84 yards and had a fumble loss as well. Also, wide receiver Stephon Diggs, 12 receptions for 126, 28 yards. Wide receiver Gabriel Davis with six receptions with 93 yards and a touchdown. Tight end Dawson Knox, four receptions, 57 yards. Running back Devin Singletary with two touchdowns and a fumble loss. And kicker Tyler Bass, three for three uh, field goals in the game. Uh, but again, this was a game that was in Buffalo's control. Minnesota tried going for a fourth and goal on their own one-yard line. Failed to convert. That would allow Buffalo to get the ball on that one-yard line. All they had to do was get out of the goal line, and they were pretty much about to win this game. They tried running a QB sneak. The snap was fumbled by Josh Allen. Minnesota recover in the end zone, which is Kendrick scoring that one. Getting taken the lead. Minnesota, Buffalo Bill would go downfield to get the field goal, but it was Minnesota at the end of it all picking up the win in this one as Josh Allen threw an interception in overtime to end the game. A crazy cool sequence of games. Also probably catch of the year. I believe that was by Justin Jefferson uh, over a Bills defender who pretty much the Bills defender had the ball in his hands. Jefferson had one hand on the ball, 
took it from the defender and made the catch. It was an incredible play, uh, but a lot of great action in this game. Uh, incredible game overall. Uh, it was just absolutely fantastic to watch. Easily game of the year so far this year. And then the Vikings, again, keep on rolling as they get another major win in this one. And they, a team that doesn't look like they're the greatest, that great of an 8-1 team. They have been somehow being able to sneak out of these games week after week, which is all you need to do. And right now, a huge advantage in their division as Green Bay, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, uh, is second, second place in that division. But the Vikings continue to roll here, now with tied for the best record in the NFC. And you'll see why here in just a second. But the Minnesota Vikings were able to beat the Buffalo Bills again in overtime and continue to look strong in the NFC as the Bills continue to fall. And the reason the Vikings are tied for the NFC lead now is because the Washington Commanders were able to beat the, their division rival, the Philadelphia Eagles, at 32-21 at on Monday Night Football. So the Eagles suffered their first loss of the season, and the Commanders picking up a big win. They get them at 500 at 5-5. Five and five. What is he for Terry McReynold, McLaurin, excuse me, with a big game in this one? Eight receptions for 128 yards. So a great game for McLaurin in this one. Also quarterback Tyler Heineke, 211 yards and an interception in the game. So he had, and he also had a fumble loss as well. So Tyler Heineke having some issues in this one, but was able to do enough to help his team win this game at the end of it. Running back Brian Robinson Jr., 86 yards and a touchdown in the game. Also running back Antonio Gibson with a touchdown in the game as well. Hicken Joey Sly with 4 for 4 on field goals in the game. And he was saying Casey Tuhill with a fumble recovery in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, that was at the very end of the game where the Eagles are just doing some patient pitch to try and score to win the comeback and win the game. Uh, they threw it in the back of the end zone, which uh, Commander covered it, Tuhill, and ended the game with more points for the Commanders. As for the Eagles, like I mentioned, they now dropped to 8-1, their first loss of the season, so no undefeated teams remaining in the NFL. The 1972 Miami Dolphins can celebrate once again being the only team to finish the season undefeated as quarterback Jalen Hurts with 175 yards passing, two touchdowns, interception, also ran for a touchdown and fumbled the ball once as well. Why does he request Watkins with four receptions for 80 yards and on a big catch that was down to like inside the 30, I believe it was. He ended up fumbling the ball, which was a big loss for this Eagles team. Running back Miles Sanders with 54 yards rushing in the game. And why does he Devontae Smith and Ty and Dallas Goddard each the touchdown in this game. So a lot of turnovers by the Eagles was what cost them. That was really a key thing coming into this game. They barely turned the ball over uh, so far this season. But in this one, I believe they had a total of three to three or four turnovers in this game, which ended up costing them. The Washington was able to capitalize on those turnovers. Of course, Washington having, I believe it was two turnovers themselves, but were able to have a positive turnover ratio work for them. They were able to get into field goal range quite a bit in this game, and that was what helped the Commanders pick up the win in this one. So again, a game I thought, I told everybody last week, I thought the Commanders had a chance in this game. A lot of people didn't believe me when I talked to them about it, but again, the Commanders were able to get it done in this one. I did pick the Eagles, I should say, but I told everybody it was going to be a close game, did not think it would be the Commanders uh, coming in this one, but I said the Commanders had a chance. They do pull it off in this one as they upset the Philadelphia Eagles and now drop the Eagles to 8-1 and one as Washington continues to make a great push here going to 5-5. Five and five. And now the question is, will Tyler Heineke remain the starting quarterback for the Commanders? I say yes, he's been helping the team win. I think that is a major thing, reason why you have him at, will keep him at quarterback. The team is winning with him there. You keep him in there until they want some sort of weird losing streak or something like that. But for right now, Tyler Heineke, I believe, is the QB1 over Carson Wentz in Washington. 
Next, in our other overtime game this week, the Green Bay Packers finally bounced back as they beat the Dallas Cowboys 31-28 in overtime. And Green Bay now going to 4-6 and six on the season. Finally, the guns again they rely on their running game is Aaron Jones in this one. 138 yards rushing and a touchdown. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers, 224 yards passing, three touchdowns and a fumble loss in the game. But the big player in this one is also wide receiver Christian Watson, the rookie, coming up big in this one. Four receptions, 107 yards, and three total touchdowns in the game. So a great game for the rookie. Also running back A.J. Dillon with 65 yards rushing in the game as well. As for Dallas, they now drop to 6-3 on the season. Wide receiver CeeDee Lamb, 11 receptions, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. Quarterback Dak Prescott struggled in this one, 265 yards passing. Did have three touchdowns, but he had two interceptions. Quarterback Tony Pollard, 115 yards rushing and a touchdown. And tight end Dallas, uh, Dalton Schultz, I should say, six receptions for 54 yards and a touchdown as well. Uh, but a good back-and-forth game between these two that would seem like it was anybody's game. But with Watson's big playability kept the Packers in this one throughout it. And then the Packers running game being huge in this game as well. With over 200 yards rushing, which allowed Rodgers to do some play action. Was able to give him some more time in the pocket. Which allowed him to find Watson open. I believe got Watson open downfield. So again, Packers utilizing this running game for their, and to help them out in this one. Worked out in perfection. And allowed Rodgers to get time in the pocket. It's that easy to have to get your quarterback comfortable once again. Get the running game going. And once you get that running game going, you're... Quarterback should have all the time in the world. And that's exactly what happened in this one. And for Dallas, they just seem like they struggled in this one on offense from times. Uh, Dak Prescott just throwing some costly interceptions in this one. I think he had one interception in the red zone as well at one point. Uh, and it was just those couple of mistakes he made were the key factors in this game. That cost Dallas this one. Uh, they had the offense going for, for uh, pretty good as well throughout this game. But again, a couple of turnovers hurt the Dallas Cowboys as now they... And the Eagles lose, and now they take a loss, so they remain two games back of the Eagles in that division. And the Eagles do have the tiebreaker right now with the win over Dallas. Of course, they will meet later on this year as well. But Green Bay trying to chase Minnesota, but they are ways back on Minnesota right now. About five games back for the division lead, so they're going to need a lot of help if they're going to even try to win the NFC North. But again, Green Bay, who are at least trying right now to get back in the playoff picture, get a big win in this one, and now move to 4-6 and six on the season after beating the Dallas Cowboys. Next, we have the battle in California as the San Francisco 49ers beat the Los Angeles Chargers 22-16. And that one, San Francisco would go to 5-4 in the season after the win. Quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo throwing for 240 yards and having one rushing touchdown. And now goes to 10-2 without a passing touchdown. So that's pretty impressive that you can be that good as a starting quarterback without throwing a passing touchdown. He does what he needs in the air unless the ground finishes everything off. And that's exactly how it went in this one. I was running back... Elijah Mitchell with 89 yards rushing in this game and his first game back from IR after being out for about a over a bit about over a month that felt like but he is back and he looked good in his first game back. Wide receiver Brandon Ayuk with six receptions for 84 yards did have a fumble loss in that game as well. Running back Christian McCaffrey with a touchdown on the ground in this one and also good Robbie Gold went three for three on field goals as well. For the Chargers, they also dropped to four and four, five and four on the season. Quarterback Justin Herbert, 196 yards passing, one touchdown and an interception. What is DeAndre Carter, four receptions, 64 yards and a touchdown. Quarterback Austin Eckler led the running backfield with 24 yards rushing, and kicker Cameron Dicker with three for three on field goals in the game. Again. Niners were able to use their great offense ability to do what they could. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball. Of course, everything came on the ground rush touchdown-wise. But, again, they look good on the ground once again. 
doing everything they could to get the win in this one. And for the Chargers, Herbert just needs all that wide receiver at this rate. He is without his two top receivers right now. He's trying to get these other guys involved into the offense, but that did not help either. Uh, Everett getting knocked out of this game as well. So his third, three top receivers were out of this game near the end of it, which allowed Justin Herbert not to play with a lot of unfamiliar receivers. So we'll see if Keenan Allen gets back here sooner rather than later. Uh, we know Williams will be out here for a little bit as well. I don't know when he is supposed to be back. I got to believe Allen's got to be back here real soon, I'd be hoping. Uh, but again, the Chargers have an issue at wide receiver. They cannot do anything. Paxton Ball is Herbert just doesn't have the receivers he needs to do anything with this offense. As as we saw, this team continues to struggle so far this year. As for the Niners, they continue to try to march forward. As now, I believe they are, I believe they are currently tied with the Seahawks for the division lead at this rate. If I am correct, uh, Seahawks did suffer a loss to Tampa Bay over in Germany. On Sunday morning, so I believe they are tied for the division lead. Let me double check here real quickly and make sure I am correct before I start saying things that I should not be. Uh, let's take a look at the standings. And currently, right now, they do have the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, Seattle Seahawks have an extra game right now, so they are a half a game ahead of the Niners. As Seahawks are six and four, Niners five and four. So Seattle's bye week, which will be coming up here, I'm guessing, pretty soon. Will allow the Niners to possibly tie them for that division. I can't remember who has a tiebreaker that one at all right now either. Uh, the Niners at least are in striking distance of the Seahawks to take that division lead. So we'll see what that leads to. But again, Niners pick up a big one in this one. Chargers continue to fall back. Now drop two games below the Kansas City Chiefs for the division lead as well in the AFC West. But again, both these teams still in the playoff hunt as the season continues past Week 10. Let's get some uh, major news coming out of Week 10 as well. And the biggest one has to be for the Los Angeles Chargers. As they did not have Matthew Stafford this week because of a concussion. Well, now they just lost their star player on offense as well. As the Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup will miss multiple weeks with a high ankle sprain. A big loss for this offense. As so far this year, Cooper Cup, 75 receptions, 812 yards, and 6 touchdowns. Uh, Cup, again, the one of the main reasons this offense was able to do anything all season long. One of the... Probably has over half the catches for this Chargers uh, Rams offense, it seems like, of how many plays he makes every week. And it's going to be a hard loss for this Rams team. And we'll see who's going to step up. Will Allen Robinson step up? Will Tyler Higby step up? And there's a lot of big question marks for this Rams team. It's now there. It looks like they continue to fall more and more every week. So without Cup, I do not see a lot of great things happening for this Rams team for the Remainder of the season, we'll see when Cup will be back, but he's going to be out probably around maybe two to three, maybe four weeks. Uh, we might not see him until mid-December. So again, a major loss for the Rams. Also for the Steelers, they have lost safety Mika Fitzpatrick for multiple weeks as he underwent some uh, medical under uh, autonomy. So we'll see how that works for how young he'll be out for. So again, a big loss for the Steelers defense. We're going to pick up a win this week against the Saints. Uh, so the Steelers but are missing one of their top defensive players on that side of the ball. Also for the Eagles, they end up losing a player as tight end Dallas Goddard is out multiple weeks with a shoulder injury. Uh, Goddard probably being the, probably about, say, second or third best receiver on the team. Uh, him and Smith, he might think, go back and forth week to week. Uh, but for Dallas Goddard, he, so far this year, 43 receptions, 544 yards, and three touchdowns. So one of the better tight ends in the NFL this year. Going to be out for multiple weeks now, so a big loss for the Philadelphia offense. Also, the Arizona Cardinals have lost tight end Zach Ertz for the remainder season with a knee injury. 
So uh, again, another great receiver who's had some issues of injury from time to time is now going to be out for the remainder of the season. Also, Las Vegas Raiders placed tight end Darren Waller on IR with a hamstring injury. Also going on IR is Hunter Renfro with an oblique injury. So again, Las Vegas, who's had a lot of issues this year as well, continues to have more issues. They lose one of their top receivers, two of their top receivers from the past couple of years as they have been struggling with injuries all season long. So again, a major loss for the Raiders with losing two players. Also announced last week, Green Bay Packers and cornerback Eric Strokes was out for the season with an ankle and knee injury. So a loss for the Eagles defense. And also Chicago Bears running back Khalil Herbert was injured on Sunday. He has now been placed on IR so far this year. He has 643 yards rushing and two touchdowns, which means David Montgomery will be the lead back for the Chicago Bears. So again, a lot of big injuries happening this week. It seems like it's a week-by-week basis here in the NFL with injury-wise. So we'll see how big of an impact these players missing will have on their teams. Uh, of course, Cooper Cup going to be a major one for that team. Uh, Goddard could be a, minor, a, a medium loss for the Eagles as well. So again, we'll have to wait and see how these injuries will impact the teams here going into Week 11, which we'll be talking about here coming up uh, on Thursday because they're going to push back from me going to Chicago. That NFL episode will air on Thursday morning. I'll try to air that as soon as I possibly can. Where I'll be talking about Week 11 in the NFL, all the games from Week 10 in the NFL, and also my predictions for Week 11 as well. As again, we are getting closer and closer to the playoff push for a lot of teams, so we'll see what teams will make things happen here in Week 11. But let's head over to college football. We had a couple of big games on last week. Uh, the biggest one I would say last week would have been the number four seed TCU in the college football playoffs. They remain undefeated as they beat number 18 Texas 17 to 10. Like I mentioned, TCU undefeated at 10-0. I bet Kendra Miller leading the way with 138 yards, rushing in a touchdown. Why is he for Quinton Johnston with three receptions for 66 yards and a touchdown? Also running back, Imari uh, DiMarcado with 65 yards rushing. And quarterback Max Duggan with 124 yards passing, one touchdown and a fumble loss. For Texas, this one, they go 6-4. Come back, Quinn Ears. With 17 for 39, 171 yards, and an interception. So Ewers not having a good game in this one. Wide receiver Jordan Whittington with 67 for 78 yards. Tight end Tivian Sanders, 7 for 61 yards. Jadi Barron with a 48-yard fumble return for a touchdown, which inch Texas closer, but just not enough to get back in this one. Also, the defense end Barry and Sorrell. With a sack and a half for the Longhorns. But in this one, it was a big defensive battle back and forth between these two. Uh, it just seemed like Ewers could not get anything. Could not, was that accurate throwing the ball in this one as he missed quite a few passes. As for TCU, they used their running game to perfection. Miller did a great job on the ground. Was able to help this TCU team get in the end zone. And help this team pick up a big victory in this one. As again, TCU remains undefeated at 10-0. And I believe they have now clinched up their spot in the Big 12 Championship game with that win. So TCU will be heading to the Big 12 Championship game. Now with three big wins coming up for them possibly here. If they get those three more wins this season, they will pretty much guarantee their spot in the college football playoff. As for these two teams in the SEC, both of them... One team looking to make a big statement in this one. The other looking to just try to stay alive. Trying to <laughs> rebuild their season. But that is what Alabama did as they beat number 11 Ole Miss 30-24. to The number 9 Crimson Tide go after this win go to 8-2 on the season. Quarterback Bryce Young 209 yards passing and 3 touchdowns in the game. Running back Jace McLennan 
84 yards rushing. Also, wide receiver Ja'Cory Brooks, four receptions, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Wide receiver Jermaine Burton, five receptions, 50 yards, and a touchdown. Tight end Carmen Latou with a touchdown. Kicker Will Richard with three for three on field goals in the game. And defensive lineman Brian Young with two sacks in the game. As for Old Miss, like I mentioned, a big loss for them. Does that now drops them 8-2 on the season. As running back Quinshawn Jenkins with 135 yards rushing and two touchdowns in the game. Wiser Malik Heath with six receptions for 123 yards. Quarterback Jackson Dart, 212 yards and a touchdown. And wide receiver Jonathan Mingo with a touchdown as well. Alabama, like I said, trying to bounce back from a lo- another loss on the season. After going to 8-2, they were able to do that this week, beating Old Miss. Beating them 30-24. Again, Old Miss with that loss pretty much knocks them out of playoff contention as well. Alabama just trying to get into a major bowl game right now. And they will look pretty good for them to do that. As they have, again, both, two, both teams having two games left on their regular season schedule. A big loss this week, though, was for Oregon as they suffered a loss in Pac-12 play against Washington, number 25, Washington, 37-34. Washington now moving to 8-2 on the season as quarterback Michael Pen- uh, Penix Jr. with 408 yards passing, two touchdowns interception. Wide receiver Jalen McMillan, eight receptions for 122 yards. Wide receiver Jalen Polk with three receptions for 95 yards and a touchdown. Running back Wade Tallow Papa with 70 yards and rushing and a touchdown. Wide receiver Ty Davis, 62-yard reception for a touchdown in this one. Also running back Cameron Davis with a touchdown as well. Also kicker Peyton Henry with Henry with three for three on field goals in that game. As for Oregon, they dropped the 82, pretty much eliminating them from the playoff contention. As running back Bucky Irving with 143 yards rushing in the game. Quarterback Bo Nix, 280 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Also had 59 yards rushing and a touchdown as well. Wide receiver Troy Franklin with five receptions for 139 yards and a touchdown. Running back Noah uh, Whittington with 108 yards rushing and a touchdown. Also wide receiver Chris Hudson with seven receptions for 56 yards. And wide receiver Deontay Thornton with 46-yard reception for a touchdown. But again, a big back-and-forth game of big plays for both these teams. It seemed like neither team was giving an inch throughout this game. But Washington was able to take advantage at the very end and pick up the win on this one. And Oregon picking up a major win for them. A major loss for Oregon as they were just on the doorstep of being in the college football playoffs. But with this loss, it's pretty much eliminate them from contention in that one. Well, that was the only upset in the Pac-12 as Arizona was able to upset number 12 UCLA 34-28. Arizona now going to 4-6 and six on the season. Quarterback Jaden Delora with 22 for 28 in this game. 315 yards, two touchdowns, and also added a rushing touchdown. So great job by Delora in that one. Was here Jacob Cowing with 9 receptions for 118 yards. Running back Michael uh, Willie with 95 yards rushing and a touchdown. Also had a receiving touchdown in the game. Wide receiver uh, Darian Singer with five receptions for 83 yards. And wide receiver Tataro McMillan with a 17-yard touchdown in the game. As for UCLA, they go to 8-2 on the season. Again, eliminating them from playoff contention with that loss. As running back Zach Shrivenay with 181 yards, yards and three touchdowns. So the former Wolverine transferring over to UCLA having another big game for the Bruins. Quarterback Darian Thomas Robinson. Thomason Robinson, I should say, with 245 yards passing, one touchdown, and did have a fumble loss in that game. Tight end Hudson 
Hammer Mella with three receptions for 64 yards and a touchdown. Wide receiver Jake Bobo with five receptions for 61 yards. And wide receiver Cam Brown with three receptions for 58 yards. So again, Arizona coming out of absolutely nowhere in this game. Picking up a major victory, keeping their bull hopes alive as they again have to go undefeated for the next two games to be bull eligible. As for UCLA, that was a major loss for them with a big game coming up this week. Alvon there could have possibly catapult them into the top 10. And possibly with a couple of big wins in the next two weeks, could have got them in contention for the college football playoff. But again, a uh, major loss for UCLA is now they try to look to play themselves in to the Pac-12 championship game. Also, another big game, ranked game that happened this week in the out of the Power 5 conferences. UCF at number 22 was able to beat number 17, Tulane, 38-31. to uh, So a big game in that one for the lower Power 12, 12, 5 team. So we'll see uh, what UCF will be able to do for the main of the season if they can get into a major bowl game with that win over Tulane. As now we take a look at the college football playoff rankings coming out on Tuesday. We'll take a top five teams all remain the same as number one was Georgia, number two, Ohio State, number three, Michigan, number four, TCU, number five, Tennessee, and then moving up one spot to six, LSU. Moving one up spot up one was UC, USC at seven. Also moving up one, eight at, is Alabama. Up to ninth is Clemson moving up one and moving up to tenth, moving up three spots was Utah. As being in the top 25 this week, number 22, Oklahoma State, number 23, Oregon State, and number 25, Cincinnati, kicking out Texas, Illinois, and Kentucky in the rankings this week. As again, four of eight teams remain undefeated this week as all four of those teams pick up a win. Ohio State, TCU, Michigan, Georgia, the four teams in the college football playoffs. As we take a look at the games to watch this week, as I'm going to say these two are games to watch because they get ready for their showdown in a couple of Saturdays from now. Illinois will take on Michigan, number three, Michigan at noon. Number two, Ohio State will take on Maryland at 3.30 p.m. Both these teams expected to win this game and get ready for their showdown in the horseshoe in uh, Columbus as Ohio State will take on Michigan next Saturday. So that is going to be a the major game. Of course, who's going to go to the Big Ten Championship as well as who is going to be more than likely going to the College of Playoffs. Of course, both these teams could make it depending on what happens with some of these other teams which would make an interesting topic. But Michigan and Ohio State are going to barrel to pretty much lock up their spot in the college football playoff. Also, number 7, USC will take on number 16, UCLA. That game will be at 8 p.m. And number 10, Utah will battle number 12, Oregon at 10.30 p.m. So again, two major games in the Pac-12 as we can be determining who could be going to the, the Pac-12 championship games in these two games as well. So a lot of great action happening on this coming up this Saturday. And again, the major games to watch is those two Pac-12 games because those could determine spots in the Pac-12 championship game. And could you imagine what happened if Oregon and UCLA were to win those games? These games would be a two top, four top 10 teams possibly competing in a game, a major game this week. So it would have been a fun to watch. But again, this should be some great football no matter what between these two. So 8 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. should be some fun late night football for all of us to watch here coming up this Saturday. There's also some great fights last Saturday as well as MMA in MMA news. UFC 281 happened last week. Uh, two title changes happened on this paper. We will talk about the main event on the night, which for the middleweight championship as the number four contender coming into this match, Alex Pereira picks a, makes a huge upset and beats Israel Adesanya in, uh, by TKO in the fifth round. Um, again, a major fight as Adesanya looked like he was... Easily going to win this fight as he was up 3-1, probably going into that fifth round. 
Uh, Pereira got some good hits in with a major uppercut that got Anasania a little unconscious for a little bit and kept on throwing his left and rights like crazy, beating him up and finally calling it by a TKO finish. So Pereira, who has also had a win knocking out Adesanya in kickboxing before going into the UFC, picks up another big win against his rival, and I would not be surprised if there's a rematch in this one. Uh, this was a great match to watch, great back-and-forth action. I think Pereira had it in the first round, but then Adesanya got a big punch, which pretty much looked like he was going about to knock out Pereira before the bell rang to end the first round. Adesanya then controlled things throughout this match. Adesanya even getting his first takedown of his UFC career in this match. And God was doing some damage on the ground as well. But Pereira just came out of nowhere in that fifth round. Getting some major punches. It was do or die pretty much for him in that fifth round. And he did, did it. And he is now the middleweight champion. Also becoming a champion in the women's strawweight division is Z uh, Zhang Wali. As she was able to beat the champion Carla Esperza uh, by submission in the second round. So Wali looked absolutely dominant in this match. She was beating up an Esperza Throughout this one, she easily was the top, the favorite in this match, and she proved why she was easily the favorite in this one. As now she is the strawweight champion, and we'll see if anybody will compete with her. She looked very, very impressive in that match, and I'll be uh, see if there, she'll get any better competition here in her next title defense and her first title defense, as I say. I believe this is her second time being the strawweight champion, so we'll see what she'll be able to do with the champion this trip this time around. Also in the lightweight division, number two contender Dustin Poirier. Was able to beat Michael Chandler, the number five contender in the division, by submission in the third round to Poirier. Looking now for possibly a chance for the lightweight championship coming up here after that win. So we'll see if he will get a chance for that championship. And bantamweight, Chris Gutierrez was able to beat the number 12 ranked Frank Egger by TKO in the first round. A lot of people believe that was Egger's final match and his retirement match. So he's going to be going out on a sour note after getting knocked out in the first round. And the final match on the card in the lightweight division, number 12, Dan Hooker was able to beat Claudio Poyas in, by TKO in the second round. So Dan Hooker, again, dominated this match as Poyas just pretty much tried to be on his, trying to get Hooker on his on, on the ground. Hooker would not do that, and he just beat him up on why they're, they're standing. As Poyas, I think he had to fail at least over a dozen takedowns in this match. He was trying to, that's all he was trying to do is get Hooker to the ground. Never worked. Hooker would pick up the win in this one. As again, if you love uh, stoppage to fighting, this was a great show for you. Every match on this pay-per-view ended by stoppage at some point. Even a lot of the most of the main uh, prelim matches ended in stoppage. I believe the two prelim matches before the pay-per-view ended in knockouts in the first round. So if you love watching people get unconscious, this was a great pay-per-view for you. An exciting night of action uh, on Saturday in the UFC. And again, crowning two champions of Para. Uh, Piera uh, becomes the new middleweight champion, and Wally becomes the new straw women's strawweight champion in the UFC. Now let's take a look at the top games that happened in the NBA this week. We'll start off what happened on Wednesday. Utah Jazz will beat the Atlanta Hawks 125 to 119. Utah going to 10-3 on the season as Lori uh, Mark Kim Kennan went 32 points and 8 rebounds in that one. Jordan Clarkson also with 23 points and 5 assists in the game. Atlanta now drops to 7-4 and four on the season. DeJerte Murray with 26 points, 6 rebounds and 5 assists. And Trey Young, 22 points and 9 assists. And again, let's take a look at Utah, 10-3 this season. A lot of people did not expect them to look this good this year, but they have looked very impressive so far. 
as they continue to keep things rolling. And I believe they have the top record in the West as of right now, if I am correct. But Utah, at that point, Utah continue to look good, though, to begin this NBA season. Also on Wednesday, the battle in Los Angeles, the Clippers were able to beat the Lakers 114-101. to Clippers now going to 7-5 in the season. Paul George net 29.6 rebounds. Norman Powell, 18 points in the game. For the Lakers, they go to 2-9 and nine on the season. LeBron James, 30 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Anthony Davis, 21 points, 9 rebounds as the Lakers continue to struggle. Now with over to Friday where the Boston Celtics are able to beat the Denver Nuggets 131-112. Boston going to 9-3 in the season. Jason Tatum, 34 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Jalen Brown, 25 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. Then for Denver, Nikola Jokic with 29 points, 8 rebounds. And Bruce Brown, 8, 16 points and 10 rebounds for him as well. Golden State was also able to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers on Friday, 106-111. Golden State, again, with a surprising record this year, 5-7 and seven so far this year. Seth Curry having a big game that's won 40 points and 5 assists. Andrew Wiggins, 20 points and 6 rebounds. As for Cleveland, they dropped to 8-4 in the season. Donovan Mitchell, 29 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists. So very close to triple-double for Mitchell on the night. And Evan Mobley, 20 points and 13 rebounds in the game. Went over to Saturday, where the Dallas Mavericks were to beat the Portland Bay Trail Blazers 117-112. to Dallas moving to 7-5 on the season. Luka Doncic having a big game this one. 42 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists to make the triple-double. Spencer Dinwiddie with 20 points, 7 rebounds, and 6 assists. And for Portland, they dropped to 9-4. Uh, Jamari... Uh, Jeremy Grant with 37 points, excuse me, 6 rebounds. Uh, then uh, Damian Lillard, 29 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists. Head over to Sunday where the Philadelphia 76ers will beat the Utah Jazz 105-98. Philly going to 7-7 seven and seven on the season. And a huge game for Jamal uh, Embiid in this one. 59 points, which I believe is the highest in the NBA this year. But the stat line is absolutely crazy. 11 rebounds, 8 assists, and 7 blocks in the game. So what a game for Embiid in this one. And Tyrese Maxley with 18 points in the game as well. Leading scorer for Utah as they went go to 10-5 after this loss. Going down back-to-back losses for Utah. Malik Beasley with 18 points in this game. And Mark McKinnick with 15 points and 10 rebounds for Utah as well. And then on Monday, the Atlanta Hawks were able to beat the Milwaukee Bucks 121-106. Atlanta moving to 9-5 on the season. DeAndre Hunter with 24 points in this one. Clint Capella with 19 points and 10 rebounds. And for Milwaukee, they now dropped to 10-3 on the season. Giannis Antetokounmpo with 27 points and 8 rebounds. And Marjan uh, Bouchamp with 20 points and 8 rebounds. And some news coming out of the NBA earlier this week. The Brooklyn Nets named Jack, uh, Jacqueline Vaughn as their team's head coach. Uh, so we'll see what he'll do as the Nets head coach here as if in the future. As Ime uh, Udoka was supposed to become the new head coach for the Brooklyn Nets after being suspended by the Boston Celtics. So I thought he was only suspended, but I guess he was able to go somewhere else if he wanted to. Uh, but they decided not to pick him due to several factors, of course. Uh, with the, his, uh, what happened to him in Boston as for being suspended due to his relationship with a girl on the Boston team, which is against team rules. And also with what's happening with Kyrie Irving right now, just not a perfect fit for this Boston team with having their own issues right now. Uh, of course, Steve Nash was fired early in the season after the team was struggling at the beginning of the year. So we'll see if the Vaughn will be able to do anything for this Brooklyn Nets team as their head coach. But that's not the only basketball we can talk about here today as college basketball games... Season started 
over there last week. And we had a few major games to talk about this week. And the first major game of the season was number two Gonzaga just barely able, able to beat unranked Michigan State 64 to 63. Gonzaga with that win go to 2 0 on the season. Drew Timmy with 22 points and 13 rebounds in the game. Jalen Strother with Jordan, uh, yeah, Jalen, excuse me, that is Julian Strother, I should say, 13 points and nine rebounds in the game. For Michigan State, day dropped to one and one on the season. Uh, Matty Sissoko with 14 points and nine rebounds for the Spartans, and AJ Hoggart with 12 points and six assists. Then on Sunday, we had our first, I would say, major upset of the season as Colorado was able to upset number 11, Tennessee, 78 to 66. Colorado moving to 2 and 1 on the season. KJ Simpson with 23 points and 10 rebounds off the bench. Also, Tristan Del Sova with 14 points off the bench as well. As you'll hear that a lot in this college basketball uh, update here, I have because a lot of top players came off the bench in this one. So, a lot of key players just making some, uh, trying to make their point that they should be in the starting lineup possibly. As for Tennessee, they go to 1 and 1 on the season. And also, both these players were off the bench uh, scoring that most points here for Tennessee. As Joshua Jordan James with 15 points and 8 rebounds. And Tyreek Key with 15 points and 6 rebounds. Again, both those guys coming off the bench for Tennessee as well. So a big win for Colorado and a major loss for Tennessee as they take a big drop in the rankings. I believe they still are in the top 25. I think they dropped to 22nd after that loss. And for Michigan State, they had another tough game this week on on Tuesday as they were able to upset Kentucky 86-77 in second overtime. Michigan State going to 2-1 on the season. Joey Hauser with 23 points and 8 rebounds to lead the Spartans. Malik Hall, 20 points and 5 rebounds. And for Kentucky, they suffer their first loss this season as they go to 2-1. For Kentucky, Oscar Shibiwe with 22 points and 18 rebounds. He came off the bench. That's an incredible stat line for coming off the bench. But what an awesome game for Shibiwe as he... Led the Kentucky Wildcats as he came off the bench. Also coming off the bench leading the second in scoring was Shavir Wheeler with 16 points and 8 assists. Again, off the bench. But a great start to the season, you got to say, four of the Spartans as they came in this unranked. got to believe that, that win, they might have to just jump up right to the top 15 with a win like that. So we'll see what the rankings look like coming out of next week. But again, a major win on Tuesday for the Spartans as they pick up a win. Also, the other big game that happened on Tuesday was number six, Kansas, was able to beat number seven, Duke. Uh, both these games, I should mention, were part of the State Farm Championship Classic. And also, the state's first game against Gonzaga was Air Force Classic that was played on the ship, which was an awesome sight to see. Uh, very cool that the college basketball does that year, every year. Uh, but again, let's get back to the Kansas-Duke game. Uh, Kansas picked up the win of that one, 69-64. So, big game between these two big name teams. And this one, we had Wilson getting 25 points in the way for the Kansas Jayhawks in that game. Also having another good game in this one was Dick with 14 points. Also, Wilson had 11 rebounds in that game as well. I forgot to put this game off on my sheet, so I'm looking this up on my phone right now as I'm talking right now. As for the Blue Devils in this one, the leading scorer in this one was Flip Palski, who had 17 points and 14 rebounds in the game. And then also Roach having a good game in this one as well with 16 points for the Blue Devils. So a big game matchup for these, this, these two teams. Kansas has the early advantage in this one, picking up a big win. This should move them up in the rankings as well. Duke, you wouldn't expect them to lose too much since they lost to a number six seed. Kansas, so I expect Duke to drop maybe the 10th, if maybe 11th in the rankings after this week. But again, two major games on Tuesday. Michigan State proving that they are back to their elite status, possibly with a big win over Kentucky. And again, hang up, hanging up. 
hanging with, I should say, number two, Gonzaga. So again, I expect State to take a major jump in the standings next week, at least in the top 15, possibly even to the top 10 as well. So we'll see what that leads to Michigan State. But again, a major change in the rankings I'd be expecting next week. If you take a look at the rankings this week, not too much of a change in the AP poll rankings this week. The majority of the top 10 remain the same. Number one, Kentucky. Number two, Gonzaga. Number three, Houston. Number four, Kentucky. Number five, Baylor. Kansas moves down to six. As Baylor and Kansas were tied coming in this week. We'll try to see if Kansas move back up. Probably at least to probably four, I would probably say. Kansas will move up to after this week. Seventh will be Duke. Eighth, UCLA. Ninth, Arkansas, who moved up one spot. And Creighton moves down a spot. As two teams jump in the top 25 this week, and that is number 24, Texas A&M, and number 25 will be UConn, as Villanova and Oregon both kicked out of the rankings this week. So again, college basketball looking pretty fun so far right now. Of course, there's a lot of big teams going against little teams still, but we'll see some tournaments coming up here pretty soon as well, so there will be some great action coming up here in college basketball sooner than later. Of course, after November, to begin December, we usually get into conference play, and that is when a lot of the major games start to pick up. So again, we'll see what some of these tournaments lead to here during the November month. But again, a lot of great action getting ready to happen here in college basketball. And speaking of great action, the world is getting ready to celebrate sport as the World Cup is getting ready to begin. Soccer getting ready to take over the world here once again. Uh, for the first time, I think this is five years now, because I think the World Cup was supposed to, was the World Cup that I believe was supposed to happen in 2021. Of course, everything happened in the world. Uh, they got pushed back. So now it's World Cup happening this year and 2020 and happening in November, which is very weird because of how warm it is Qatar in the summer. They want to make sure everybody had a fair advantage, and that is why they're doing the World Cup here in November during Thanksgiving, during Christmas, during everything that's going on here. Uh, should be very interesting to see how the ratings are going to be in the United States for the World Cup, especially with football happening other sports but from looking at the times of a lot of these games it looks like they should be fine because a lot of these games in the world cup are in the morning so it should not interfere with too much football schedule so a majority of us if you want to watch some soccer you should have a lot of time to do it which is again good for all of us but we'll start with the first game of the world cup which will be on november 20th coming up on this sunday as qatar the host of the world cup will take on ecuador my wife's home team so this should be a fun game for me to watch again that game will start up the world cup on november 20th uh, Ecuador is the favorite in this game at plus 135. Yes, it is a plus in soccer because there's ties that can happen and other things as well. But do not surprise if Qatar gets the upside in this one. As of when I looked at the stats, Qatar had a previous meeting with Ecuador in 2018. They were able to win that game 4-3. So this could possibly be a high-scoring game as well. But this first game of the World Cup should be a fun one to watch, especially for me. Like I mentioned, it is my wife's home country. So she'll be having a fun, be really into this game. So I should probably be really into this game as well too. But this will be a fun game to watch to begin the World Cup again as Ecuador will take on Qatar to begin that one. And the U.S. will get their first game of the World Cup the next day on Monday as they will take on Wales in that one. That game will be on 2 o'clock p.m. again on Monday. The United States get ready to take on Wales as these two have met twice previously. Recently, in November 12th in 2020, they ended at a 0-0 draw. And then in 2003 was their next meeting before that. U.S. won 2 to nothing, which that one's irrelevant because that was back in 2003. Uh, but again, U.S. is favored in this one at plus 165. And Wales and draw and it pretty close behind that at plus 195. So this is a pretty even match to betters in this one. So that should be a fun match, United States, in that game as well. Then we'll go over to Tuesday, the 22nd, where Mexico will take on Poland in a great game between those two. And Argentina and Messi will take on Saudi Arabia. So Messi, 
I believe if I remember correctly, this will be his final World Cup. We'll see what he'll do in that in his first game and see if he'll finally be able to win a World Cup here with that Argentina team as they start their run against Saudi Arabia. Then on Thursday, the 24th, Portugal and Ronaldo will take on Ghana. We'll see what they will be able to do in that game as Ronaldo, again, one of the top players in the world. We'll see what he'll be able to do with his team. On Friday, quite a few great games on Friday. Wales will take on Iran in a game that's supposed to be close. Qatar taking on Senegal. Is they, again, all these games that I'm mentioning are supposed to be close games uh, in the World Cup. So I don't know. So it's games to keep an eye on throughout the World Cup. I should have mentioned that before. Also, USA will take on England, which will be a major game for the United States if they want to win their group stage. They have to beat one of the top teams in the world, England. Then we move over to Saturday, the 26th. France will take on Denmark. And also, we move over to Sunday, the 27th. Spain will take on Germany, and South Korea will take on Ghana. Monday, the 28th, Portugal will take on Uruguay, and Ecuador will take on Senegal. Then we move over to Tuesday, where the United States will wrap up their group stage, taking it on Iran. Again, the top two teams from every group will advance to the World Cup tournament bracket. So, again, you got to make sure, and it goes by, I think it goes by wins and goal differential as well. So again, you want to score as many goals as you possibly can and get as many wins as you possibly can as well. But again, either way, you got to try to do anything you can to be the top two people in that group to advance to the next round. And the group stage will end on December 2nd. So after December 2nd, we will find out who will be advancing to the tournament bracket of the World Cup and what two teams from each group will be advancing. But again, a lot of great action getting ready to happen. The United States in a lot of great games here coming up in the World Cup. So we'll see if they will be able to do anything in the World Cup. As again, they do have a little bit of history with Wales against England. They've had quite a few games as well. Their most recent game against England. They lost 3 to nothing international friendly game. That was back in 2018. They didn't meet, before that they didn't meet in the World Cup and tied 1-1 with England in 2010. So we'll see if they'll be able to do anything this year as well but again the united states trying to do something here as again they that final game against iran let me see what their stats are again the last time they played iran here uh last time they played iran was in 1998 in the world cup where iran was able to beat united states 2-2-1 so again not too familiar with iran so this should be an interesting world cup for the united states again two wins more than likely gets you into the next round and again the goal differential could be a huge factor as well the united states as long as they can take care of business against Iran and Wales, should be safe. But a major game against England. If they can get a tie in that one, at least makes them feel like they're contenders for the World Cup. But a lot of great action getting ready to go here in the group stages. Again, that begins on Sunday the 20th. Qatar and Ecuador will begin uh, begin the World Cup. And what could be a fun game and uh, could be a trap game, I guess you could say, for Ecuador. Because it being Qatar being the starting off the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, should be a fun game to watch either way, though. But a lot of great action ready to go here. And for the World Cup, as again, that begins on Sunday. Group stage wraps up December 2nd. So every game will get team will get three games in that group stage. As we again, we'll determine two teams who will advance out of each of those groups. Now head over to Major League Baseball. A lot of news coming out of Major League Baseball this week. After a week after we crowned a World Series champion, the Houston Astros. We have a lot of awards being handed out. A lot of players deciding what they're going to do with their contracts. We'll start off with the awards. We'll start off with the Rookie of the Year awards over in the American League. The Rookie of the Year was Julio Rodriguez, who played for the Seattle Mariners. This year, he had a 284 batting average, 28 home runs, 75 RBIs, three 
triples, 25 doubles, 145 hits, and 25 stolen bases as he also led the Mariners to their first playoff appearance since 2000, I believe 21 it was. So Rodriguez, an incredible year in his rookie year. We can only imagine what he's going to do his second year with this team as he looks to continue to improve in year two. But again, the Rookie of the Year, Julio Rodriguez. And in the National League, Rookie of the Year was Michael Harris II for the Atlanta Braves. He batted 297 on the season, 19 home runs, 64 RBIs, 3 triples, 27 doubles, 123 hits, and 20 stolen bases. Again, helping this Brave team get to the playoffs once again and winning the AL East as well. But they did not suffer a loss in the playoffs to eliminate them. But again, a great year by Harris as he is the Rookie of the Year. The American League Manager of the Year goes to Tony Francona with the Cleveland Guardians. This year he had 92 wins on the in the regular season, also winning the AL Central Division title, and, and also won his series on the wild card and before losing to the Yankees. And I believe that was Game 5 in that series against the Yankees as well. So pushing the Yankees to their limit and almost kept getting in the AL Championship Series, but could not do it. But the Cleveland Guardians manager went AL Manager of the Year. And also the NL Manager of the Year goes to Buck Showalter who is for the New York Mets. He was his fourth time winning this award and his fourth time winning with four different teams. So incredible by Showalter in that one as he led the Mets to 101 and 62 record on the season, but did finish second in the AL East behind the Atlanta Braves. Uh, then also lost in the wild card series as well. Now to some contract news as Astro, Houston Astros starting pitcher Justin Verner has decided to opt out of his contract to become a free agent. The more than likely Cy Young winner in the AL this year's stats from last year. Very impressive. 18-4, leading the AL in wins. 1.75 ERA, which led the MLB in 185 Ks this year. Of course, the stats could be a lot better if he did not get injured at one point and missed the month. But Justin Verner looked absolutely incredible last year after coming back from Tommy John surgery. Had a great season. Again, probably more than likely win the Cy Young. So it'll be interesting to see where he could possibly be going next year. I'm not going to lie, it would be great to see him in a Detroit Tigers uniform once again. But again, with the way the Tigers are right now, uh, I don't feel like he wants to go back to a losing team. So if he does go somewhere else, I wish it was the Tigers. But again, I would very much say go somewhere else. And even though he does have the World Series, he'd probably love to come back home. But again, it'll be interesting to see where Justin Verlander does land uh, going during the offseason here, where he'll be playing in 2023. Speaking of 2023, the Houston Astros will at least have their manager, Dusty Baker, who will be with the team next year. Again, after winning his first World Series in his career, he looks to try to get a second one with a very good Houston Astros team. So we'll see what he will be able to do with that Astros team in 2023. Also, the Los Angeles Dodgers and starting pitcher Clayton Kershaw have agreed to a one-year deal. Last year, Kershaw went 12-3 for the 2.28 ERA with 137 Ks. Kershaw continues to look good as he'll spend now at least one more year with the Los Angeles Dodgers. New York Mets, Carlos Carrasso with a $14 million deal to stay with the team, or be with the team. He won 15 and seven last year, 3.97 ERA, 152 Ks. Justin Turner has declined his 2023 option with the Dodgers. 130 hits last year, 13 home runs, 36 doubles, 61 runs, 81 RBIs, and a 278 batting average. So Justin Turner gonna be going possibly elsewhere next year. So we'll see where he ends up. Also news from happened on Wednesday morning. Toronto Blue Jays have traded all-star T. Oscar Hernandez to the Seattle Mariners. That is according to ESPN. So Hernandez will be heading to the Mariners. Again, joining Julio Rodriguez there. And that outfield looking very, very impressive right now 
for the Mariners, adding now adding Hernandez. As last year, he batted 267, 25 home runs, 77 RBIs, RBIs, and 35 doubles. So we'll see how Hernandez will do over in Seattle. Now let's head over to some NASCAR news now. As a couple of drivers, we found a couple of where a couple of drivers drive be driving in the Cup Series next year. As first one as Joe Gibbs Racing has announced, Ty Gibbs will be driving the 54 car in the Cup Series. That means the 18 car will be gone this year in the Cup Series. It's very weird to think about. The 18 car has been around since I've been a little kid. I can remember from Bobby Labonte race that even had uh, other drivers racing that car as well. Uh, of course, Kyle Busch being the most recent, but he is going over Richard Childress Racing now. So Ty Gibbs will be driving the 54 car in the Cup Series, but he's been driving the trucks and in the Xfinity Series. So we'll talk about his Xfinity Series stats throughout his career and over in that series. He had 51 races in the Xfinity Series, 11 wins, so winning almost 20%, or more than 20% of the time in his career in the Xfinity Series. 25 top 10 finishes, 33 top 10, 6 poles, that 1,234 laps at an average finish of 9.5, and also, of course, being the 2022 champion in the Xfinity Series as well. Did also race 15 races in the Cup Series this year, had one top 10 in those races, an average finish of 15. That was filling in for, that would be Kurt Busch during that time. So, again, uh, Getting, he got some time to get used to the car this year. Now he gets a 2023 gets a chance to race in the Cup Series. Of course, one of the, probably the most least favorite drivers after everything he's done in the Xfinity Series this year. So we'll see if that carries over to the Cup Series next year as well as he goes to race for his grandpa, Joe Gibbs. And also some shocking news on Wednesday morning as the Stuart Haas has announced that Ryan Priest will be driving the number 41 car next season. It sounds like there's a big discussion between Tony Stewart and Haas about who would be driving that car. Apparently, Stewart won the bid, and now Ryan Priest will be driving the 41 car, which means that Cole Custer will be going back down to the Xfinity Series, where he, I believe, was a champion, if I remember correctly, in the Xfinity Series a couple years, few years back. But Ryan Priest, actually, he was racing for a championship. I don't think he won a championship. But either way, Ryan Priest coming, going up back up to the Cup Series. Uh, this year, he raced two Cup Series races. He raced three Xfinity Series races last year as well. One top five and two top tens in those three races. Raced 10 Truck Series races as well last year with one win. Seven top fives and nine top tens. So when he got in the Xfinity car or the truck car, he looked pretty good. I don't know what he raced in the Cup Series. I don't remember him racing even the Cup Series at all this year. He must have been racing probably in the road course races, I'd be if I had to guess. But he did not finish too well now. And I believe his average finish in the Cup Series was 31st uh, this year. But again, we'll see what he can do in a top-tier car. This is his first time him ever racing in a top-tier team. Uh, before that, he raced for Daughtry Racing, which, uh, again, not the best cars in the world. But... Could do something from time to time. But again, Priest now going to getting a top ride as he will be racing in the Cup Series in 2023. For Cole Custer in his three seasons in the Cup Series, he did get one win, which happened in 2020. And he had two top fives total in his career in the Cup Series. Both those coming in 2020 as well. 12 total top tens. Again, seven of those coming in 2010. And an average finish of 20.1. So again, not the greatest career for Custer in the Cup Series. He'll be moved down to the Xfinity Series here for a little bit to maybe build some confidence back up for him as you got to expect that he might be the one to take over for Eric Almirola when he retires, which he was supposed to retire this year, but that got canceled. And he said he's going to race in the year, so I believe this might be Eric. If this is Almirola's last year, you'll see Cole Custer back up to the Cup Series next year, possibly in that number 10 car. And the final news I got for you on the day in the NHL, the Elmerton Oilers 
if Evander Kane is out three to four months after being cut on the left wrist by a skate blade. Just thinking that just sounds god awful in my opinion because I can only imagine what, that's the scariest thing about hockey in my opinion is getting cut by those blades. We've seen people get their throats sliced. We've seen other people get things sliced. So your wrist getting sliced. I'm guessing he had some bad bleeding on the wrist after getting his wrist cut. I just think about it. This just sounds awful. But he'll be out for a little while now after suffering that injury. So wishing the best for Kane in that one. And hopefully it's a speedy recovery for him. And he will be out for majority of the season. He won't be back to at least February or March. So hopefully a speedy recovery for him at, at, with that injury. And hopefully he'll be back real soon. And he'll be able to make a big impact for Oilers who you'd expect will be in the playoffs. So again, a big loss for the Oilers losing Kane. But again, uh, even with this big loss, I believe he will, he will be able to come back and be able to help the Oilers make a run for those playoffs and get a good seating as well. But that is all the sports we're going to talk about here today. And there's a lot of great action to talk about, like I mentioned. NFL with some great games this week. Some major games this week as we get ready for next week as well. College football picking up to get ready for the end of their regular season. is one more week before we can see an undefeated battle between Ohio State and Michigan. NBA basketball starting to pick up here as teams starting to get into, some teams starting to get into a groove. College basketball having a very exciting start to their season. Uh, MMA, of course, UFC 281 and some great action. A lot of stoppages in that. All were pretty much stoppage on the main card on that pay-per-view. So a fun one to watch. So again, a lot of great action happening around sports right now. Again, the World Cup also starting this Sunday. This should be a very exciting week in sports. There's going to be a lot to talk about coming up next week, and I'm excited to talk about it. I uh, can't wait to hear what's going to be happening here. But again, a lot of great sports action at this week. Uh, glad I could bring it all to you here today. And thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. For the latest information on the show, you can follow me on Twitter at Cold Talk. And also, like, find this uh, on, like, on Facebook at Cold Talk as well. There's my tongue right now. Uh, you, can follow, you can find that at C-O-L-E-D-T-A-L-K. On there, you can message me questions or topics like they're here on the show. You can even tweet with me during the events. I would love to hear you guys have to say. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe and or follow button to get alerts when the newest episodes are released. You can find the podcast on all the major platforms, including Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Deezer. And a couple, uh, preview of the episodes coming up here this week. A lot of things got pushed back because of my trip to Chicago. So I will not be doing an episode on Raw this week because of all that happening. I didn't watch an episode of Raw yet to see what's happened. So again, I'll do a major recap on SmackDown on Saturday of everything that's happened in WWE in the last week to make it easy on everybody. But I will have an NXT episode coming out today. Uh, so make sure you keep an eye on that one that, or if you are listening this late I'll be out already so make sure again listen to that one then on Thursday I'll be talking about what happened on AEW Dynamite and also the NFL Week 11 which will be starting on Thursday as well so we'll talk about all the games in Week 11 and my prediction for those games as well and recapping all the games from Week 10 also then we'll skip over to Friday actually but Friday we'll be doing an episode because AEW's pay-per-view uh, full gear will be happening this Saturday, so we'll do a preview of that pay-per-view and talk about my predictions for each of those matches. Then on Saturday, we'll be talking about what happened on WWE SmackDown and what happened on Raw and SmackDown prior weeks, so we can get a cut-up and everything that happened. Also, we'll talk about, I guess we'll kind of, I think we'll skip Rampage this week because of the pay-per-view happening on Saturday. I think, uh, ah, well, we'll try it out anyways. We'll try to get Rampage in there if I can. So again, Rampage will be happening on talking about what happened on Rampage this Saturday. We'll try to get that up quick and early so you can get the, all the latest updates before that pay-per-view. Then we'll skip over to uh, I think actually I think the pay-per-view is on Sunday. I can't remember. Yeah, pay-per-view is on Saturday because it's on the 19th. So on Sunday we'll be talking about what happened during the AEW pay-per-view and my reaction to that whole show. We'll skip over to Tuesday. We'll talk about what happened on WWE Monday Night Raw and what happened on 
in sports that week as well. Again, talking about the World Cup, NFL, college basketball, everything that's happening in sports right now. A lot happening in sports. So we'll talk about all of that, what's happening. Of course, Monday Night Raw, also the lead in show into Survivor Series War Games. So that should be a fun episode to watch. Let's say we'll back over to Wednesday. We'll get back to our normal schedule, which we'll be talking about NFL in Week 12 and NXT as well. But again, make sure you subscribe or, hit subscribe or follow to get the alerts when those episodes are released. Again, I am your host, Cole Martins. Thank you guys for joining me here, and you guys all have a great day.